<coughs> using these two chairs of our relationship with God and, and really the history of that relationship that began in the Garden of Eden when we walked in the garden with God and had that close relationship with God. And then things began to change and, and we moved away. We moved way away. It wasn't who God who moved away from us. It was us by our sins that moved away from God. And he created this incredible gulf in this relationship that we needed so badly. As we go through history, what we see is God slowly but surely began to move back closer to us. Again, it was not us moving to be close to God. It was God moving to be close to us to finally we get to that amazing moment when God is back among us in the flesh in Jesus Christ. And you think it just can't get any better than that. How wonderful to be walking on this earth with Jesus. And then what I thought the most dramatic moment of that message is when Jeff took this chair and put it on top of this chair and talked about how when Jesus left, he left the Holy Spirit And now God is not simply just among us, God is in us. What an amazing thing, amen? My friends, that's the gospel. I know our folks in Birmingham have listened to the same message. And I hope you're excited about it as as we've been excited about it here because that's the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came. And because of his death and taking upon himself our sins, We're able to be close to God again. We're able to walk with God. And so the division has gone away. And so we praise God for that. That's the gospel. Now here's the question for this morning. How do you respond to what God has done for you? I want to keep using these chairs. And I want us to go to James chapter 1, if you would. Turn to James chapter 1. And let's use this passage to get us starting on talking about our response to the good news of what Jesus has accomplished for us. Oh, look at James chapter, chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, James makes uh, an amazing uh, analogy here. James says, when we look at the Word of God, it's like looking at a mirror. You ever felt that way? I mean, I mean you, look, you open the Bible, and not only do you see the commands and the do's and don'ts, but, but here's what sometimes makes it a little bit frightening, does it? Is sometimes it's a mirror of you. And you go, wow, you know, that's what I look like in that character. That's the good point about my life. That's the not-so-good point about my life. That's the sin in my life. It, it's like looking in a mirror. And so that's part of the purpose of the Word of God. But it goes even beyond that. He says, if you look intently into this mirror, you will see more than just your own faults. You will find out the law that gives freedom. Not the law that brings bondage and misery, but the law of freedom. Because here is what the Word of God is, my friend. The Word of God is not just a revelation of the do's and don'ts and the rules and regulations of what you ought to do and not do. The Word of God, most importantly, is a revelation of God. And when you look long enough and intent enough, here's the cool thing. You're going to see 
God. Now, our question this morning is, what do you do after you come on a Sunday morning or whenever you encounter the Word of God, what do you walk out and do? And today, I want to keep on using these chairs, and I'm probably going to, I'm going to introduce another chair, but I want to give you three options to what I think you can do when you hear the good news of Jesus. Number one, James makes it very clear, you can just forget what he said. You see, you see James is, is so fearful that someone could encounter the Word of God, listen to what God said, even maybe see God, and walk away like nothing happened. Just forget it. And let's be honest about that. That's an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing this morning just to come to this church service, just sort of check in, and then walk out and forget what's going on. Immediately, James says, this person forgets what he looks like. Why? Because they're not really listening to the Word of God. They look in the mirror. It's like waking up this morning. You looked in the mirror, your hair's all matted, there's sleepy in your eyes, you know. You got a good big zit on your face. And you just walked out and came to church. Look around. Does anybody see anybody who looks that way this morning? I love the college students who wake up, you know, 10 minutes before class, you know, look in the mirror, it looks awful, put the baseball cap on and just go to class. We've probably all done that. And that's what James is saying. It's, it's possible for you to come and, and to look in the Word of God and, and, and see the blemishes, see the problems in your life, and yet you can just walk away and forget exactly what you saw. And then if you're sitting in chair number one, you can just become like everybody else. Just do what everybody else does because the Word of God's not affected your life. I loved a book I, I read years ago by Tony Campalo called Growing Up in America. He talked about what were the things that drove most Americans. He talked about three things. And these are three things that if you don't pay attention to the Word of God, will drive your life. Number one was success competitively achieved. That Americans' number one goal was to be successful, but not just be successful on your own right, to be successful and compared to others. For instance, let's say in your business, you have a sales goal. It's a pretty nice goal. And I'm just going to come up with a number. Let's say your goal for the year was to sell $200,000 of a certain product. And at the end of the year, they have a, a celebration meeting. You sold $210,000, and you're so proud. And you go to this celebration meeting, and your boss gets up and says, Guys, I just got to tell y'all, we've had the best year we've ever had as a company. You sold so well. In fact, the lowest salesman sold 210000 now, how do you feel? A, a moment before that, you felt okay. After that moment, you didn't feel so good. Because we compare success by the way we stack up on other people. And some of us go through life just competing with people and being driven by that. Campalo says, second, is that you might be driven by American consumerism. What's that mean? It means that I've got to get more and more things like the old bumper sticker, at the end, the one with the most things wins. What a sad statement. And so we're convinced by the American economy is that we've got to buy more and more and more things to be fulfilled. And I think here's what James is saying is you can come to church and you can walk out of here and you can be like everybody else thinking that next 
purchase is going to make you happy. I was joking with Stephanie last night about a purchase we made about a month ago. You know, we just been wanting this new bed forever. And finally bought it. It's beautiful. And we were making it up last night. And I said, you know what? I'm so thankful we got this bed, but my life's not any better at all. (laughs) It just doesn't quite do it, does it? And yet culture sort of convinces you, if you get the next purchase, you're going to feel okay. And so we're, we're, we're convinced to buy more and more. Think about just like listening to music in a car. Some of you are old enough to remember when listening to music on an AM radio was okay. Anybody remember those days? Raise your hand. Reveal yourself, all right? If you had push buttons, you were fancy and high tech, right? And, and then we got AM, FM stereo, and that was nice. Anybody remember the next step? Eight tracks. Nobody wants to remember that step, all right? We had eight tracks, then cassette, and then CD, and now all you've got to do is take your iPhone and plug it in and listen to anything you want to. And do you see what's going on there? It's, it's, nobody here would be willing to go back to an AM radio. And so if we're not careful, what happens is our life gets mixed up with getting more and more and more things. And there's always something new on the horizon. The new iPhone 6 is coming out now, and that's going to make your life better. It's deceptive. And so, number one was success competitively achieved. Number two was consumerism. Number three, he said, is what most Americans are really after is just having fun. And we think our life would be good if we just have enough fun. And so here's the goal then. I just try to line up enough fun events. If one weekend, you know, I can go to Six Flags, and next weekend I can go camping, next week I'm going to the ball game. If, if I could just line up enough really fun things, I could cover up my emptiness and be okay. And I see a lot of us scrambling to do that. And so here, here's the person who hears the word of God and just forgets it. And I always used to think, how could someone do that? How could you hear the good news of Jesus that we heard explained to us so vividly last Sunday and walk out of here and go live your life like everybody else? How is it possible? And I remember reading years ago, 2 Peter chapter 3, where he talked about those scoffers in the last days who believe that history is just repeating itself. Nothing ever changes. They never change and you can't change. And here's what Peter said about them. They deliberately forget that God has interrupted history. And his illustration is the flood. Uh, One translation says there, they conveniently forget. Some of you have the power to sit through this service, walk out those doors, and flip the switch off and deliberately forget what you've heard. It's possible. Now, chair number two would be the second response that you can have. And, and I call this one superficial change. Say that with me. Superficial change. In chair number two, you look in the mirror, you see a few things that need to change about yourself. You just change the outside and you go on. Reminds me of a college student we invited to our house years ago in Tuscaloosa. We had to take a student home for dinner, and they were all come. This one student came to our house, and surprisingly, he was dressed up in a coat. And I was shocked, and he came. He looked really nice. And so we're about to sit down for lunch. I was like, hey, let me take your coat. He said, no, 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 no. I want to keep it on. And then it got more and more evident that he was a little uncomfortable wearing this really tight coat. And so finally I got the coat from him and I laid it on the couch and then I looked back at him and I recognized why he didn't want to take the coat off. He had ironed right down the middle of his shirt 
just, just so the part you could see looked good. Everything else was completely wrinkled. Hey guys, we can do that when it comes to God's Word. You can listen to God's Word, make a few superficial changes, and feel like you're okay. This is what scared Jesus out of his mind, is that when he walked on this earth, most religious people were just superficially following God. Hence the name of our new series this morning, Beyond Superficial. Oh, they were really religious, and they looked good, but you took their coat off, and they were all wrinkled. In fact, worse than that, uh, turning your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 23, let's look at a passage when Jesus is dealing with these people, and Jesus gets really, really fired up about these things, and almost talks unkindly, you might say, to these people. Why? Because they have been caught in a deception. Matthew chapter 23 Look about verse 27. He's right in the middle of this rant about Pharisaic superficial religion. Woe to you, he says, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people is righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. What's Jesus say? My goodness, you've made the changes that make everybody think you look okay on the outside. You come to church. You don't let any cuss words slip in Sunday school class. I mean, you, you look all right, but on the inside, you're corrupt. Now, why was Jesus... So scathing in his rebuke of these people. Oh, let me tell you. Because this chair is so deceptive. At least when you're over here, you're saying, I'm forgetting it. I'm going on and doing what I want to do. I'm not even making a pretense. I'm trying to live this thing out. In this chair, there is a lot of pretension. In this chair, I'm saying, you know what I'm going to do is when I'm around you, I'm going to clean up. When I'm with good people, I'm going to look right. I'm going to talk right. I'm going to have the right attitude, but when I get away from there, I might not be. And so we get in this second chair, you know, and it becomes deceptive. Now, here's the problem with it, is you start off trying to deceive the people around you. Because I want all you guys to think good about me. And so when I'm around you, I'm different. But the problem here, and the danger here, is that deception turns into self-deception where you begin to believe just living it on the outside and going to church and playing the part and going through the motions is good enough. And you begin to think that in yourself. And so, so Jesus was so scared of this chair because it wasn't honest. It was deceptive. And today we need to be afraid of this chair ourselves. I would think we need to say that that is just the great temptation of religion. The great temptation of religion is to look the part instead of being the part. To look the right way instead of really having your heart changed. And I would confess to us in churches of Christ, this has been an extremely big temptation. 
Because the goal of our movement has been this, this restoration, which was a great idea, is to, to go back to the New Testament and try to be like that church. But the emphasis of the restoration was on the outward things about that church and how they worship and how they baptize. And, how, and that's good. But it could lead us to a really great deception that if we went to the right church with the right name, did the right things in the right ways, we were okay. And yet we could still have a heart that's as dirty and greedy and lustful as anybody out in the world. And that's why Jesus is so scathing on chair number two. Well, what is chair number three? Chair number three is a surrendered heart. This is where God wants us. God wants you to finally just completely surrender your heart to him. He's not okay with you just going through the right motions. In fact, one of those Pharisees one day was trying to trap Jesus. So they asked him this question, what's the greatest commandment? Thinking that Jesus would probably join them in one of their rules and regulations of living the Pharisee life would be number one, you know, don't, you know, uh, work on the Sabbath. Don't touch this. Don't do that. And Jesus tells him something that must have been shocking to the Pharisees and yet refreshing to everyone else. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying, my friends, it's about the heart. What does God want from you? He wants your heart. What does he want? He wants your love. Because here's what he knows. If he gets that, he gets everything else. See, some of us who may have grown up in chair number two religion may think, well, if we really just start talking about love and grace and the heart, well, then everybody's just going to start doing whatever they want to do, and and nobody's going to keep the rules. I'm telling you, the opposite is true. The problem with number two chair is you keep the rules when other people are watching because it's about appearance. Chair number three, Jesus says, hey, man, let me tell you the real truth. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It won't be just when people are watching. And so my challenge today is for you to look at these three chairs and go, where am I sitting? Because it's really easy to find yourself in the wrong chair when you don't really want to be there. Let's talk about that for the last part of our message. Where are you? When you respond to this incredible gospel message of God who moves toward you, who moves so close he wants to be in you. Now here's what I know. I I know it's possible for you just to listen to what I'm saying here and forget it. We've all been to too many church services where we walked out and we're no different than when we walked in, right? And some of you are deliberately forgetting it. And and, and you may find yourself in this first chair, and there may be a few reasons for that. Number one, there may be some of you who just aren't sure if this is true or not. I mean, you hear the secular culture we live in. You see what seems to be the smartest people on TV who don't buy into the Christian story or certainly believe the Bible is inspired. And you go, I'm not sure if I even believe this thing. Why why would I surrender my heart to something I'm not even sure I believe? I, I respect that. I understand that. I challenge you to look into it. I've been reading a book recently that I think 
could really bless your life if you find yourself in this chair. It's called, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. It's just an amazing, it's a pretty deep read, but it's an amazing compilation of reasons to believe in God, reasons to believe in Scripture, reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and, and so today, if the reason you've not made a move for God is because you really have some real doubts, here's what I want to say to you. Don't sweep those doubts under the carpet. Deal with them. Christianity has nothing to fear from you asking the tough questions. Ask them. Look at it. Now, another reason some of you may be in chair number one and you're going to walk out of here and forget this is because you have been turned off by chair number two religion. I mean, you've been around long enough and maybe you grew up in a church where, where people looked one way on Sunday and were different every other day of the week. That act so holy and righteous, but you knew them behind the scenes and they were racist. Who acted like they really loved God, you know, but could go out and treat people bad. Or you might even grow up, in, grow up in a home where someone who might even have been a leader among God's people was completely different at church and, and completely different at home. We've all got those horror stories of people purport to be something who are something completely different and, and maybe that's turned you off to surrendering your heart to Jesus because you just don't want to be a part of this. You've made your mind up, that turned you off so bad, I'm not even getting close to that. Now, I understand that and respect that. But here's the good news I want to tell you today. You don't have to be close to this. It is possible to move directly from the first chair to the third chair. Most of us have had to come through this chair. You don't have to. Let's be a part of something that's not just superficially righteous. And I think a lot of us are in this first chair, not because of some big choice we've made, but because of all the distractions in our life. And we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. It's not that we, we don't want to follow God. It's just that we have bought into this American view of fun is just if I could fill my life up with a, enough great events and enough things that somehow my life's going to be okay. And so it, it's not even my choice that, that God's just been crowded out of my life. But here's what I want to say to you. For whatever reason you find yourself in this first chair, here's the good news this morning. You don't have to be here. Don't walk out of these doors and just forget what you've heard. Do something about it. Now, if I could be honest, I would say for most of us, we're probably in the second chair or third chair. You probably wouldn't be at church this morning if you were in this first chair over here. So most of us find ourselves in, in one or the other. And let me ask you and I some questions to help us think about this one. Let's talk first of all about motivation. Chair number two, faith, is normally motivated by fear. It's motivated by fear. Chair number two, chair number three, faith, is motivated by love. Because I'm not telling you there's not a time to fear God. There's not a time where you need to be shook up and scared about your eternal salvation. But that's not a long-term motivation. You see, many of us are in chair number two because, you know, we don't want to go to hell. I don't, do you? And so we come to this chair, you know, because it's almost like a compromise. I don't want to go to hell, but I don't want to just completely surrender my life to God and give up control. So I find myself in this second chair. 
And what I'll tell you is, you've got to move beyond fear as your motivation. Fear will only last so long. And fear will cause you just to do the minimum, not give your heart to God. Another way maybe to gauge this is, is by the way we look at salvation. Uh, uh, salvation in chair number two is about what I do. Man, if I could just get everything down pat and believe everything correctly and do it all correctly, then in some weird way, I could save myself. That's so false. Chair number three is not about what you do, it's about what he did. The reason you know you're saved in chair number three is not because of your performance, but because of his performance, and his performance was absolutely perfect. And so how do you get saved in a heartfelt religion? It's when you surrender your heart to him and you obey him, not out of fear and not out of, you know, I just got to do it. And not about you proving yourself. It's about you putting your faith in him. And so that becomes to be a very, very beautiful thing. So when it comes to your motivation, are you motivated more out of fear or out of love? When it comes to your salvation, is more about what you do or about what he did? And then number three, when it comes to your service, I love this one. Is it about got to or is it about get to? As chair number two religion says, okay, buddy, tell me what I got to do. Tell me the minimum. How many days do I have to read my Bible? How many times do I have to come to church? I mean, just, just I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to go to hell and I don't want to reject God. But other hand, I don't want to go whole hog either. I don't want to be fanatical about it. So, so draw me a line, buddy. Give me this line right here and tell me how close I got to get. A lot of us live that way. And the problem is we haven't fallen in love with Jesus. Because when you fall in love with him, it's not about what you got to do. It's about what you get to do. And that changes everything. And how about this whole church thing? Is it about rules? Or is it about a relationship? You say, buddy, are you telling us this morning that there are no rules? No, I'm not. There are plenty of rules in the Bible. But if your faith is a rule-based faith, and it's about your ability to keep the rules, you're going to fail. That's what the Ten Commandments proved once and for all. So when Jesus came, they go, okay, Jesus, tell us the number one rule. Well, let me get past all that mess. It's loving God. And it's loving people. And so it's, it comes from a relationship. Many of us, because it's rule-based, even affects the way we come into church today. In chair number two, you come into church and you just go through the right motions because it's the right thing to do. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to show up at church at sometimes during the hour, and I'm just supposed to come, and if I go through the motions, I'm okay because it's just about the outward. My, my mind may be somewhere completely different. I might not even really want to be here, but I know it's the rule. And, and so I just go through the rules. And chair number three, it's not about going through the motions. It's about being on a mission. And that mission is I've come here to grow just a little bit closer to God every Sunday. I know there's something special about the presence of God with his people. 
And I've come in here to build relationships. I'm not trying to get out of here as quick as I can because it's not just about me showing up to keep the rule of going to church. It's about me building some relationships that could actually help me be more like Jesus. So it's not, not just about rules. It's, a, it's about relationship. And then one more comparison here. How do you deal with the sin in your life? Chair number two, you cover it up. Chair number three, you confess it. You see, chair number two is so much about appearance that it's what you think of me and what you see. And so if there's some bad things in my life, what I'm just going to do is I'm going to make sure you don't see it. My pornography issue is going to stay completely private. If I've got an alcohol or drug addiction, I'm not there going to show up for RSVP. Because I want everybody to think I'm okay. If my marriage is in trouble, I'm not going to say it out loud. I just, I just sort of cover it up. And chair number three, guys, because your security is found in Christ, and you're in the middle of love relationships with him and the people in your church, you are willing to confess. I'm not saying you always confess on this front row, but you find someone that loves you enough to help you. So I've given you some comparisons here. Let's just sort of close this out. In which of these three chairs do you find yourself this morning? Chair number one, you, you've already made your mind up. You're going to walk out of here and forget this. You're, you're just here for whatever reason you're just here. Probably a few of you, but you're just here. Chair number two, it's just sort of superficial. It's what looks good. It's what's expected. Chair number three, I've surrendered my heart to Jesus. I'm wide open to whatever he wants. Guys, there's an incredible difference here. Now, let me ask you, of all these three chairs, which do you think makes God the maddest? It's chair number two. You know what Jesus said? I would rather you be cold or hot than lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. I mean, honestly, and I hate to even say this publicly, but I need to say it because it's the truth, is God would rather you say, Forget you, God, I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to be honest about it. Then for you to land here in some kind of superficial religion that really doesn't change anything about the inside of you. You see, what, what makes God so upset is because this is so deceptive. And because it's so deceptive, it makes it so dangerous. At least if you're in this chair, you know you're in this chair. It's possible to be in this chair and think you're over here. It's deceptive. It's dangerous. I found out something I, I probably about 18 years ago when I preached on these three chairs a long time ago. And a lady met me at the back door and she said, Buddy, I figured this whole thing out. The second chair is a lazy boy. <laughs> and she was right. It's extremely comfortable because in this chair you've got this a cool deal you can do. If I'm here at church, I can scoot over here and act like you guys, you know. If I'm out with my drinking buddies, I can get over here and act like them. I mean, I've got the ability to sort of move back and forth in different roles. And it really, it really is sort of comfortable. But the problem again, guys, is it's so, so dangerous and it really, let's just be honest, it really is miserable because you're trying to stay alive in two different worlds. And you, you know where you ought to be, but you don't want to completely reject this, and so you find this weird compromise. 
Here, here's what I want to tell you. Here's what another lady said to me when I was preaching this 18 years ago. She said to me, buddy, here's the truth. I never knew there was a third chair. I thought second chair religion was about as good as it got. Here's the good news I want to tell you this morning is that you can move beyond that. You don't have to just go through the motions and keep the rules and just just try to keep people pleased in your life. There's something so much better. You can finally just surrender to Jesus and come to the place of his third chair where it's about loving him and pleasing him and about loving people and it changes everything. So I hope this morning you'll be honest with yourself. That's, that's the real key to this message. Is Are you and I willing to be honest? And let me ask just one more time and we're about to sing. In which of these three chairs do you find yourself this morning? Now, you know, please don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about this third chair of being a chair of perfection. In fact, I am convinced that the person in the third chair might have more mess-ups in their life than the person in the second chair. But their heart's in the right place, and God will get that straight. So don't, don't look at this and go, well, how good am I doing? And how, no, 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 that, that's not the question. The question, this, listen to me, look at me, look at me. The question this morning is, where is your heart? That's the question. And here's the good news. If you don't like the chair you're sitting in, you don't have to stay in that chair. If you're in the first chair, please, 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 I beg you, skip the second chair. If you're in the second chair and you're tired of it, and nobody else here knows it because you look right, why don't you move over to the third chair this morning? Why don't you do that right now while we stand together and sing?